0: Now tapped in with the introspective father and son duo. Last name may be strange, but never strangers to the game. Adjust to listen to the listening devices and keep it live. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ay, coming in. Yeah. Black, I just wonder when. Yeah. L.A. BB who running with? Yeah. Two, two, three, three. I'm on 10 again. Yeah. Your
1: name.
0: Baby, Hello and welcome to another installment of No Strangers to the Game. I'm Ja, and that's Troy, and today's episode is entitled, Play the Game, Don't Let the Game Play You. Uh, so today we're going to be discussing the Black athletes and you know, African-American athletes in general and using their leverage as a value uh, to empower and better their communities. Um, for a quick example, you know the NFL is a $13 billion you know, revenue generator annually, and a lot of the athletes we see on the field are Black. Um, So a lot of dollars are being generated by black bodies. How do we make sure that they're leveraging themselves as assets to better our community? Um, So to open it up today, I wanted to ask you, as a former collegiate athlete, someone who played college football, uh, explain what it means in your opinion to leverage your value as an athlete to get what you or your community or the team or anybody really um, yourself need.
1: Well, at first you have to really understand your value. You have to know what you work and what you bring to the table and so once you know that as an athlete whether individually or collectively you know we generate x amount of dollars in revenue create uh help create x amount of jobs you know we know that we add value and that we you know can place demands you know for example when i was at uh, cal state northridge you know we had you know probably 70 80 percent of our team was black And, you know, we sit down and one day um, we met and we realized that we weren't being, you know, properly taken care of, you know, you know, proper meal plan, you know, many of us had issues with just housing, Um, water and lights get cut off. Um, You know, some of our athletes were sleeping on, you know, fringe couches and living out of their cars. And so we sit down and say, you know, But what we're doing and what we're generating, this is not a big school, it's not a big revenue generating uh, university, but what we're providing for you, you should be able to at least give us the basics. And so uh, we sat down amongst ourselves and then we also met with a few faculty members and we developed a strategy to um, meet with the president of the school. Um, The president didn't wanna meet with us, so we decided that he was gonna meet with us Uh, whether he chose to or not so one day we decided to wait for him in the administrative building until he came out and long story short we got a chance to meet with the um the president of the school he was on his way out which was a good thing because the incoming president um, was a you know a black woman who came in and she seemed to be a little more open to and responsive to what we were asking we just wanted a decent meal plan We wanted an academic advisor, uh, as well as, um, you know, coaches that reflected the team. And so um, those are the things that we asked for. And over time, we actually got all three of them. Um, A few years later, the program was cut. (laughs) Uh (laughs) But, you know, that's how you leverage it. You just got to know what your value is and know what the bottom line is and say, you know, hey, we can all win here or we can all, you know, be frustrated and, you know, come up short. So, you know, that's how I would explain that.
0: Yeah, I think for me, mine is more on a more personal level. I think, like for instance, my first school that I went to, I, I became, I got to a point where I was a pretty big part of our program in terms of scoring points at our, you know, meets and, and you know, big part of our track team. Um, however, my scholarship didn't reflect that, in my opinion, and so I had to, and it was, it was, a, it was a tough, it was a tough thing for me to do, but I had to leverage myself as a value to the team. To somebody who really the performance of the team was their, you know, was their evaluator and how, evaluated whether or not they got paid, and I had to leverage that, and that's tough to do, especially being younger. But you know, that was that was that was something I had to do personally to to make sure I got what I needed in that situation, and it, it ended up working out for the best. Uh, but on, on a much larger scale. How do professional athletes, you know, now we're getting into people who make millions of dollars, you know, and they're a huge part of their communities, wherever they come from and where they live. How do you get a group of them or as if a group of them do decide, how do they do something to pull their wealth or, you know, their influence over, you know, the people that are paying them, whatever it may be. How do they get together and do something that's for the betterment or the the empowerment of their community?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, knowing their value to is to have the mindset you know they have to be educated on the issues and the concerns in which they want to address Um, most of them in and of themselves are probably going to be pretty well taken care of um, as far as financially and where they can choose to live but they're coming from communities that you know don't reflect where they're currently at in life and so when they go back home to visit family and friends you know they're going into communities that you know could use a lot of work a lot of effort and improving them and improving the inequities so i think it starts with the mindset and typically i i have this theory that we have to start at the junior all-american aau level uh, training and letting them know the importance and the value of their community and as they go through and regardless of what level that they achieve success whether it be at high school college or professionally there's a responsibility Um, for you to give back to those um, as was given to you, you know, because there was coaches, there were people who came into this community and provided you with the, either the resources, their time, their knowledge to help you to develop to the level at which you can go and play, um, you know, at the highest level. And so I think it's just instilling in them a value system and that, you know, you have to give back. Does that mean you have to move back? no, but how do you, you know, help make sure that the next generation is going to be in a better position than you? So that's my thoughts on that. And um, I have a whole idea about really leveraging junior All-American Pop Warner football, uh, the AAU basketball, travel sports to really help bridge. And how do I say this? Create a par- parallel career path. So, because we know that sports and athletics is the carrot, that's the draw for many people in our community, right? For myself, I went to college because I wanted to play football, not because I wanted to get an education. So, and in 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 return, I was able to get the education that helped me, you know, when I was done playing football. So I say use that same thing to be able to. Um, you know create a par- parallel career path so while you're doing practicing and playing football or basketball whatever baseball whatever your sport we also have these other things that we want you to participate in we want you to learn coding we want you to learn computer technology we want you to learn the science behind gaming and programming and all those things that's going to lead to career paths well beyond you playing sports um, so one day your sports career is going to end then what do you want to do And one of the things I discovered in being an athlete is transitioning from being an athlete to going into the workforce and just, I wasn't really prepared and it took me a long time to adjust to that. And it was painful. It was, it was very painful. And I'm assuming a lot of other athletes go through that. So that's one of the things I look at is to try to minimize the negative impact of making that transition from an athlete to, you know, going into, you know, mainstream society and having to deal with people uh, from a different perspective and also being prepared, you know, to have a career that's gonna uh, allow you to make a living and be comfortable in what you do. So
0: let's say, for, just giving an example here, an athlete grows up, he's, you know, playing youth football or youth basketball from a young age, you know, gets a lot of tutoring and tutelage from, you know, people in his community gets to a point where he's making a lot of money and he looks back and says, "You know what? That's not my responsibility to help out my community. I made it out. I made my way. You know, I worked hard to get what I have. I'm going to go live in a, you know, a nice neighborhood and what happens to my community is on them. You know, I, I did what I did to get out and now I'm here." Obviously, I think we have to change clearly something that went wrong when he was young or when they were young, but What do you say to an athlete that believes that?
1: Because we have a lot of athletes that I think do believe that right now. I mean, there's nothing you can really do. Um, That's why the earlier you start with, you know, developing the mindset, not that you owe anybody anything, but there were people who gave and put time into you and to help you develop to get to where you, you are. So none of us makes it out, as you would say, on our own. There's people there that give up their time, give up their resources for you to be taken care of. And so that's one of the things I suggest, you know, return that favor and look at building comprehensively, I would say, because a lot of times the athletes, and, and it's not their fault, they're doing what they do to generate revenue. Those of us that are in the community need to set up an infrastructure, set up programs that can allow them to, to give back in a way that's responsible, but also do the training of the people in the community, providing for the needs and addressing whatever challenges and issues they have. So it's really incumbent on, bo- on both. The athlete, but the community has to be set up and structured to be able to receive the help. Because if I'm a professional athlete and I'm training and I'm traveling, I really don't have that much time to come back and do all that. I need people in that community that are you know, doing all the groundwork and I can help them you know, in whatever ways I can by leveraging my platform, whether it be resources, whether it with different sponsors, and so on and so forth, so it's a it's a two way street. It's not just on an athlete who makes it out who's responsible for having to come back and change the community, yeah, I mean, I
0: agree, but I disagree with you on one point. I think you said at one point that you know they don't owe the community anything, and i i think I think they do. I think there should be a sense of responsibility and a sense of of I do owe this to the people that to where I come from to mm-hmm. keep this going, and that's I think that's has a greater. I guess, you know, you need to do a greater dive into the psyche and the psychological reasons of the black community here in America specifically on why we don't necessarily feel that. And I think there's a lot of factors at play, but I think we need to, like you said, start creating an environment that fosters that mentality of, no, we owe it to those around us, you know, those that look like me and, you know, are from the areas that I'm from to go back and make it better is, you know, kind of like we all, you know, you hear the saying, leave the world better than you found it. It's, right. just, it's the same for your community and where you come from. I do think you owe that to okay. the area you come from.
1: That's <laughs> a good point. I mean, I won't argue with you. I, I won't <laughs> argue with you. And I think probably most of the time, particularly some athletes who come from really, you know, pretty rough areas, you know, they yeah. look at, you know, with all the things that go on, You know, I was doing everything I can to get the hell away from there. So, um, so I can understand that mindset, but you know, you are correct in saying that, you know, there's a sense of responsibility and, you know, changing your environment for the better. So to give our
0: audience some context on really just the general topic we're talking about athletes, specifically African-American athletes in this country have a lot of influence and are responsible for a lot of revenue. So to give an example, um, I talked about the is $13 billion annually um, and the NBA is $4.8 billion annually of those players um, in the NFL, 48% are black now, African-Americans, in country, no, no, it's 70%. Oh, it 70%. I, I'm sorry. That was the collegiate number. 70% are black. So of a population that in this country is only 6%, which is African-American males, they make up 70% of a league that generates $13 billion annually. And in the NBA it's 81.1% that are black and they generate $4.8 billion annually in the NBA. So, you know, just let's like I said, that's giving context to the idea that there's a lot of wealth and influence that comes with, you know, these leagues and a lot of them are filled with people that look like us. Mm-hmm. And so like you said, we're trying to figure out a way to leverage that wealth and influence that we're creating, um, to help us, to help our people and our communities and not just those young men that make, you know, a few million dollars while they're in the NBA. Um, And piggybacking off of that, leading into my next question,
1: you have five areas you've discussed. Give me those five real quick. (laughs) be housing, education, uh, criminal justice reform, uh, access to capital and wealth and health and wellness and healthcare industry. So those are the five areas that we need to focus on as a black community in order
0: to better and more empower our black community here in America. Of those five, what is what do you think is the area that specifically our athletes, because obviously the whole community needs to focus on all five and we need to, you know, work on all of them. But those athletes, what do you think is their
1: best area to help in of those five? I, I think they can help in all of them. And I I take it, and the reason I, I keep saying those five there's more things that we can do, but I think the problem has been over the years is that we have tried to address problems in our community, isol- an isolated series of incidents, right? So it's like your body. If my arm gets damaged, some part of my arm, even though it's only a part of my body, it's gonna impact other parts of my body to where I can't function at 100%. And so not only are they gonna take care of my arm, but they also do things to make sure the rest of my body is intact and functions at 100%. That's the way we have to look at our community. We have to do a comprehensive uh, approach to addressing the concerns and issues. Because, for instance, if you're addressing education, but you ain't have nowhere to stay, that being homeless or having issues where where you're going to stay and think about that on a daily basis is going to pet infect or affect your um, ability to have a good education, a quality education to stay focused, right? And then on the other side of that, you have health and wellness. If I'm not eating properly and I don't have the basic needs, then my health is going to be compromised. My health compromised, then, you know, getting that education is also going to be difficult. And so it's just kind of one of those trickle down effects to where you get multiple things happening at once and we have to look at the big picture and deal with all those issues, not just individually one at a time, but everything to create a whole uh, comprehensive um, um, resolution to the problems. And
0: I agree, but I think everybody's going to have a role in, you know, within those five, everybody's going to have a role in doing and doing their part. I think the athletes and I guess what I'm getting at is what's what's the specific demand for them or what do we ask of them? Is hey, you know, you you're in your you have great influence over the nation, one, but two over people that have access to a lot of capital and wealth, mm-hmm. a lot of you know, access to you know, lobbying to make legislative change. What are we asking from them specifically to to go? I mean, when they are in a room with, you know, the billion dollar owners, or if right. we're asking them to pull their own wealth, what what are we asking them specifically to, to well, get at?
1: One, I would say from a legislative standpoint, using their platforms to um, help create legislation that's going to help with criminal justice reform, right? Help to provide housing in a more affordable manner, in a more effective way. Health care policies um, that are being, um, uh, you know, addressed in a way that not only affects the nation, but affects our community specifically. You know, what are some of those health concerns like, you know, um, high blood pressure, diabetes, um, you know, those are the type of things that impact us at a at a greater rate than most communities. Uh, using their money, their wealth, but leveraging those resources with the apparel companies in which they have endorsements with, you know, so let's do, hey, we're going to have a walk a to help with the uh, overall health. We're going to make sure that there's resources available, whether it be sneakers, whether it be equipment, so that this community has a place to go and exercise. There may be trainers that we have come out, you know, at a low to no cost to help train these people in this community. They might have dietitians and nutritionists that come out and provide the different services on how to eat, what to eat, how to prepare those foods. So those are more in specific. And then access to capital and wealth, you know, using those resources to leverage, right? So if I'm making an investment, most of them have foundations, so if I'm taking my foundation and I'm going to match, have a bank or some major company or corporation match the funds that I put into that community for any of those five different um, areas in which we need to address.
0: I'm a firm believer in cream. Cash rules everything around me. I think for me, my biggest idea or the way that these athletes can help the most, because mm-hmm. as we've talked about, and you, you brought up those five points before. I think access to capital and wealth is the biggest of them because that, like I said, crack Cash rules, everything around me, it's going to help us in all those other areas as well. So with these athletes being able to have influence over, you know, rich, very rich billionaires across the nation. I think one of the things that they can do is almost kind of strong arm their owners and, you know, the owners of these teams to invest into, I guess they call them opportunity zones, but specific areas that we decide Hey, this needs to change. Right. So if LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, you know, all of the Lakers and Clippers players got together and they said, hey, Jeannie Buss and Steve Ballmer, which are the owners of the Lakers and Clippers, we're going to need you to go into Compton and you're going to we're going to need you to create affordable housing. We need a, a five year plan of how you're going to create affordable housing, better health care for these specific areas where blacks seem to be disenfranchised at a greater rate than everyone else. Right. I think I, I think LeBron James, I think they could pull that off. And to yeah. me, that seems to be the quickest way to get some change, right? And I and and you know, it's. I think sometimes you look and you say, well, there's what? Are, what would what would those owners be getting out of it? And I mean, I, we talked about this before we started the show. The greatest, you know, way to get people to do what you want in business, anyway, is fear more than incentives. I think. And so, yeah, it looks good, a great PR. But you know, if LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, you know, like I said, those players with great influence get together and say, hey, we're not playing next season unless we have this, this, and this. I think it gets done as long as it makes sense for them on, you know, a financial level. And I think it will, you know, but I think they can get something like that done. And I think that
1: leads to immediate and, you know, long-term lasting change. Right. I agree. I agree totally that, um, cash is what, you know, our first level of empowerment should be is how to (laughs) get the money to empower ourselves to do the things that we need to do. And you said, how would it help the owners? It helps the owners in a lot of ways. First of all, now, if you have a community that seems to be more fluent, have the resources, you have more people that can come to your games, right? Yeah. And then as a result, if the income rises and you can raise the ticket level and the prices provided your team is playing well. Yeah. So from a financial standpoint, it does help. It also helps from a standpoint where if you have to have so many different social services because of dysfunction and inequities in your community, those tax dollars that you're paying are, you know, being put into places and things that is just kind of, you know, just keeping things moving along and not elevating and thriving to where people can, you know, reach beyond just surviving, you know, for that week or for that period of time, it's making that community better. so as that community grows and gets better, the educational system in that community gets better, the stores and the taxes that are being generated increase, so there's a value of your building and your property and your organization. So I think it's a, a, a ripple effect when it comes to, you know, the benefits. It's not just an owner giving money to this community, but they'll benefit as a part of that community.
0: Yeah. I think in one specific case that I think, and I just think about this often, honestly, is Flint, Michigan. I don't understand how they still don't have running water or, you know, good using water. I think, you know, the Lions, Detroit Lions players and the Pistons, you know, those guys who have a lot of influence in the state of Michigan they need to get their owners together and say, look, this is something that needs to be addressed and fixed. And it, it's much deeper than sports and it's much deeper than athletes. But I think, like I said, we they just have so much influence over these areas that they, you know, provide entertainment to that. I don't see why they don't you know, that it doesn't seem to me too out of reach to be able to use that influence to leverage it to say we need to get some of these things addressed. And I think that's a really pressing matter of at least In Flint, Michigan.
1: Right. They can use them. And a lot of times, particularly because this is a a, a responsibility of the government, you know, to, you know, you know, demand that the Michigan government or, you know, legislation, you know, make this work where it don't necessarily have to be the owners coming out of their pocket. I mean, they can help, but it's really, you know, that particular community saying, you know, hey, this needs to be done. You need to figure it out work with the federal government as someone to make sure that there's running water, not running water. I mean, they have running water, but water that's not, that's clean and healthy. You know, this is not a third world country and to have a city in the United States of America at this time that has issues with water is, you know, that's unacceptable. And so I would say, you know, we'd all should be enraged yeah. and figure out and, and, and tell them, you know, cause that could be any community that we live in. And so, you know, but you're right. We have to leverage what we do, our resources, our power, our platforms to get what we need. So you talked
0: about, I want to go back over this because you talked about we have to do a better job of, you know, when we raise these athletes and really just in our communities in general, do a better job of fostering an environment that makes these people feel like I need to come back and I want to give back and not even a responsibility or that you owe it, but I want to better my community. I want to help those that help me. How do we create that? How, what are some of the things that we do to create that type of love for ourselves, love for our community, a sense of responsibility for you know the generations under us? Uh, how do we foster that
1: environment? Well, I think one is with programs. Um, mm-hmm. Started at an early age. One of the programs that I can think of off the top of my head, we have a rights of passage program that I've been a part of for the last 10 years. It is for um, young boys, black boys and girls ages 11 to 14. And they go into a program three days a week where they have to learn about their culture their history. They get lifestyle, lifestyle, life life skills, excuse me, Um, as well as being able to travel and expose to other things that they might not otherwise get exposed to. There's also a clinician there that, you know, sometimes can sit down with them, give them counseling because many of the people, many of our kids have gone through some traumatic experiences. And helping them to deal with those things and identify what those challenges are and give them a sense of appreciation and pride for who they are. You know, when you have a sense of pride for who you are, you look at the world differently when you know and you be like, you know what, I come from a long line of people who did some really wonderful things and I feel now obligated yeah. to do something, you know, just as great. You know, that's like if your family, you come from a long line of people who were successful, you looking back and like, man, well, if they were all successful and they mm-hmm. all did these things, then I probably need to do something that's, you know, equivalent to what they've done, yeah. you know? So it's that self, you know, self-awareness and that pride to be able to do things that are going to uh, better your people, better your community. Um, so does that answer your question? Yeah, quite a bit. Because actually. it really starts with the mindset, um, mindset. You know, the money. Once you once the money's there, if you don't have the mindset, you know it's it's yeah. you know you gonna do whatever you was doing before you got it. That's something that I I've talked about before, even on this podcast, and
0: especially with you, is that idea of that sense of community. It's like if you feel like you belong to something, or like you said, belong to a lineage. I think that is so key, and because you know I, I've talked about it a few times. I have a friend who's African, and I, I just think about the difference in our mindsets and our responsibilities to our community. Is like this dude said, you know, he knows his. He knows where he comes from. He knows his ancestry. He knows where what his people have done for generations upon generations. And so his, he has always grown up with the responsibility of like I I can't be the one to let mess that up or let you know let everyone down, let that whole lineage down. Whereas being an African American, I can't track my heritage back you know further than maybe three four generations. Um, and so there isn't as much of a sense of you know lineage that I'm trying to uphold or anything like that because. Unfortunately, our history hasn't been recorded and at one point was really lost. So um, I, I do think that that sense of pride that you're talking about in community is huge and is something that needs to, to be brought forth. But I want to bring up the point, too, that it also goes hand in hand with, once again, uh, I guess is my business mind, but that access to capital wealth, being proud of literally, in a lot of senses, the ground you stand on. It's tough to be a part a proud of, you know, the projects or you know, a, a little, really terrible, crappy apartment you grew up in. You know, that's not something to really stand on and be, I guess, prideful about if where the area, you know, the geographical area and the physical surroundings aren't, you know, up to par. You know what I mean? And, and not to mention, you don't own any of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Uh, but there's also another uh, idea and a concept that I believe in, too. I, I believe that poverty is a mindset. Meaning that, you know, if you if you look out in your community and you see nothing, you know, you're probably going to do very little to change that. But if you look at in your community, you see potential and you see opportunities to make improvements, uh, whether it be setting up a lemonade stand, mowing lawns and doing various things. Your mindset is going to dictate how you function in your community. You're either going to see it as a place that I'm ready to move and get the hell out or you gonna see it as a place, I can make this better, and I can thrive in this place, you know, Um, so I think your mindset is one of those things, as far as a poverty mindset, when you look at it, yeah, I may not have a lot, but what I do have, I take care of it, Um, I utilize it um, in the best way I can, so that I can get the results I want, you know, out of my life, and live an experience that's um, positive and so that's why when you look at people who come from areas that are disadvantaged you have those who come out and say how did this person how was they able to make it and then you have the person I mean a family member right next to them who had a whole different career a whole different pathway yeah. and so um, it's really the mind and and seeing where you want to go and just taking those action steps to make it happen. And I completely agree with you. I do think that poverty is a mindset and a lot of
0: people can honestly almost harness that that sense of, I guess, being an underdog and try to do greater things because of it. I was simply getting at the point that I think it would be better as a whole of our community if that didn't feel like an obstacle or a hurdle for a lot of people, you know. Oh yeah. Re- referring to their physical conditions around them. But I completely agree with you that, you know, poverty is a mindset and I think, regardless of what's surrounding you, you can become and do better and hopefully fix what's surrounding you. Um, Last thing I kind of wanted to get at, um, and I guess I'm kind of asking for advice in this sense, is right now I'm a collegiate athlete. I think the collegiate athletics landscape is changing, hopefully for the better at the moment. Things are starting to change a lot. How do I, you know, or the collegiate athletes like myself, African-Americans from, you know, communities all across America, how do we unite or really start to I guess, demand change or do things on our level, because obviously we're not millionaires, but we do have some, you know, influence over some capital, over some, you know, high level people in this country. How do we unite and make demands for the for the better?
1: Well, I think first you have to rally around something. What is it that you want in your particular situation? Is it at your particular school or is it, you know, nationwide? What is that idea, that concept, that you want to rally around to get everyone that can buy into it and say, you know what, I can get with this idea, therefore, I'm going to take the, the next actions and the steps to make this happen. Like, for instance, when LeBron, LeBron, the, what is it called, the vote? More than a vote. More than a vote. Many people were able to rally around that, you know, from the college athletes, to professional athletes, to entertainers, to just people in the community. So you have to have those ideas and those concepts that people can all say you know what that makes sense i can get behind that and then they'll take whatever necessary steps to bring that forth and put that into action so i think really uh you know having that idea and that's why you know for me those five elements or those components are are important because now it gives us a focus on something that we can you know um you know uh, take steps to make happen Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree. Um, I think that's going to
0: do it on today's episode. Play the game. Don't let the game play you. <laughs> um, we talked about athletes and athletics a lot because we're athletes. You know, that's what we, I guess, are into and what have we have done and I'm currently doing. Uh, but this goes for entertainers. Anyone who creates value within our society, you have leverage. And if you can use that leverage to get what you specifically need, your family, or as a whole, your community and your people need, then I think you should do that. So I'm gonna do my best. <laughs> I know you're doing your best. I um, mean, I think that everyone else should. Uh, but for that today, we appreciate everyone for, for coming out. Any last remarks from you?
1: Nah, great discussion. I look forward to, to many more discussions that really drill down on empowerment and ways that we can use the, the skills, the assets um, that we have to leverage for our community, the things that we need. So, um, you know, it's time to get roll up our sleeves and, and do business. This is a capitalist society. We need to capitalize on the things that we do well <laughs> and, and, and get paid for it so that we can change our environments. There it is.
0: So, well, like I said, appreciate you guys for coming out and listening to another episode and make sure you stay tuned in for the next one. Peace. All right, that'll wrap up today's episode. Glad we could take a moment to put you up on game. We post a new podcast every Sunday morning. Now you know. Peace.